0: all right we'll get started so today's episode is all about impact it's about how you and i are able to make tangible impact on the world and our planet by investing in socially ethically and environmental environmentally focused businesses without compromising returns
1: our guest today arjun is the founder of inarm an impact investment startup that focuses on social and environmental impact not only that arjun is the host of his own podcast arj speaks where he speaks to young and up-and-coming entrepreneurs around the world, their success stories, as well as key issues and challenges that young entrepreneurs face today. Welcome to the podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule.
0: All right, so Thank you let's so much. jump straight into it. For our listeners out there who might not exactly know what impact investing is, could you please give us a brief explanation of what impact investing is and how it differs from traditional investing?
2: Of course, would love to. Um, Thank you both for having me on the show. Really grateful to be here. I think um, I'm nothing without my team. So whilst I'm just a co-founder and there's a bunch of others involved, but thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Uh, To answer your question, what is impact investing and how is it different to general investing? So I think the best way to start off the answer to that question really is um, ESG, which stands for Environmental Sustainability and Governance. Now, that was the first framework launched a while back to help people invest ethically well. Um, My personal pet peeve with that is the bar is set very, very low. And what that means is, When you're looking at ESG investments, you're screening companies that do not employ child labor, do not employ slaves, and are not involved in kind of petrocarbons, et cetera. Now, when you're going to talk about things like that, oh, and don't make weapons of mass destruction. So the bar is set incredibly low when it comes to ESG investing, which leaves the window open for a lot of horrible things. um, to happen in the investing world. So um, that's ESG investing, which was the framework that was started to say, hey, how can we invest a bit better? How can we screen our companies to have a better profile than they otherwise would? Impact investing is understanding the flaws in ESG and taking it a step further. So impact investing isn't just about negative screens. Impact investing is about the community as a whole. To understand if you're investing in a business, what is its social, environmental, and long-term impact on the communities around it and the planet as a whole? So these are companies that exist to make the planet a better place, not companies that do whatever they want to do and then use a portion of their profits to, for example, do something good. Um, And when you when you look at impact investing companies, you're looking at companies such as, you know, wind farms, solar panel manufacturers, hydroelectric power plants, um, sustainable farmers, sustainable agriculture, companies that really exist to make the planet a better place. An example of an ESG screen and probably the most topical one, is our most beloved Elon Musk, Mm -hmm. um, co-founder and CEO of Tesla, who has recently kicked off the S&P 500 ESG index. And that essentially is a company that appears to be good green um, because of the lithium batteries inside it. But if you actually go deeper and dig into the conditions in which that lithium was mined, the communities it was mined, and the impact there. Um, if you look at the actual car itself, it's still using, you know, steel, and it's there's leather inside the car animal cruelty um the chips inside us or cobalt and nickel and we don't know how they've been you know sourced so whilst things may look like they are ethical or good impact investing takes away excuse the french the bullshit i hope i can cuss Mm -hmm. but if not you can edit that (laughs) Um, impact investing takes away the crap and says hey here's a true picture of the company you're investing in and if it is actually good for the planet those on it and those around it so yeah sorry for the long-winded answer but i'm very passionate about this topic <laughs> no,
1: no no i think that's really important because i remember you did this talk at um MN- M- mmis on um, social impact night and you t- talked about how esg it has is a very low bar and how we should hold companies to a much higher standard, especially in the 21st, 22nd century that yeah. we're going into. So I'm kind of just want to pick, pick your brains a little. What do you think are some of these standards that you know, new companies should reach for?
2: Of course, I think, um, thanks. Thanks for that point And for mentioning that it's, it's a, because we're in the 21st century, that's one thing, but if you were to look at it from a financial return perspective, That's actually even better because what people haven't fully grasped as yet because the knowledge hasn't always been made publicly available is that investing in impact is not only good for the planet, but it's also a far more profitable method of investing. For example, if you refer to the Responsible Investment Authority of Australia's 2021-2022 report, you will see that if you invested in impact over the last year alone, you'd have earned a 45.9% higher return than large equity funds now some may argue that's a factor of there being a bull market or whatever fine both three years you're still 12 percent above um standard large equity funds so it makes sense not only for the planet but also you know for your wallet and profitability which is what inam tries to capitalize on but when it comes to what kind of standards we should hold companies to it's really just companies doing good business companies operating ethically you know ensuring their supply chain does not involve anything dubious, anything doubtful, anything that can cause concern to its customers or end users. Those are the kinds of standards that we're talking about. We're talking about helping people really understand that the business they're running, whatever it might be, actually makes a difference. So to give you this, I, I love talking by examples because that's the easiest way to convert theory into practicality. Um, If you look at Seven Seeds, for example, they're one of Melbourne's most famous coffee baristas and coffee stores. Mm -hmm. From the moment the the cocoa plant, sorry, the coffee, not the cocoa plant, the coffee beans and the coffee plantation is actually planted at the farm to the time that coffee bean arrives in Melbourne, there is a trace and a tracker of every farmer involved, every purchase involved every transaction involved, and every carbon footprint created t- until it comes to Melbourne, which is then offset and ensured that farmers actually paid market rates instead of swindled out of their living and their livelihood. So that's a coffee business many people wouldn't consider as an impact company. But if you look at what Seven Seeds has done for the entire supply chain, that's an impactful business. Another startup that is Swoop Arrow. Now, this is a drone delivery startup. Many people would say, hey, how is that impact? Well, through this drone delivery, people in Malawi and Vanuatu are receiving vaccines, are receiving medication that they would previously no longer have had access to because of difficult terrain and you know, uninhabited geographies to reach out to and, and get services to. So whilst it's a, you know, it's actually a delivery business, it's another DHL, it's a delivery DHL business focused on impact. Because it's making the communities better. So the standards we need to hold companies to, I hate, I hate saying we need to hold them up to standards, they just need to be good. Like we're human beings at the end of the day. We, you wouldn't go and stab another human being, right, if you're of sound mind. So then why should a company harm the planet, aka a, human, a company is seen as its own legal entity based on laws around the world its own person so why should that person in any way harm the other person which is the planet or the environment around it so yeah
0: so arjun you previously worked in investment banking and consulting which i'm sure yes. has some goals for a lot of our listeners out there i was wondering if you could give us a brief insight into your experience working investment banking and consulting
2: of course so um i actually wanted to learn about the financial services industry and investment banking specifically to understand how that world functioned. And the main reason why I wanted to do that was I had an inkling that the financial services industry um, was heavily jargonized and made complex so that normal people like you and I, not be able to access or accrue its true benefits so that's how i got into the foray of of investment banking it was not an easy journey um my first job before i landed it i received 150 um uh, rejections from companies across uh, south africa and india so i've worked across south africa and india and australia um, after, you know, the 130 rejections, I was called for three interviews. Um, I gave those three interviews. Uh, I was in India at the time, uh, the companies and the fund managers said they loved me. Unfortunately, they couldn't hire me because I was 21 years old. Um, and you know, my retort to them was how is my age an indication of my ability to work for you? Unfortunately, there were HR policies and there was nothing I could do. Um, my next email came out of, you know, I'd. I had nothing to lose um, and I found out about Investec which is a South African grown investment bank um, operating in India and growing up in South Africa you know when you want to get into investment banking you don't want to work for Goldman or JP you want to work for Investec because it's got its own pedigree and as of today it's a hundred billion dollar bank listed on the JSC and the LSC. Um, So I, I went onto the website the only kind of email there was of the CEO and I was like I've got rejected, what other option do I have? So I wrote him an email, um, explained my situation, gave him a quick brief, and I was like, you know, if if this interests you, I'd love to share my profile with you. Um, To my surprise, a couple days later, I received an email from the head of equities um, at Investec, uh, a couple conversations later, went for an interview, and very gratefully, I was offered an internship. Um, So... That's how I got into investment banking, spent two years in equity sales and research, sorry, um, three months in equity sales and research, and then shifted departments to the sexy part of investment banking, which is structured and leveraged finance, mm. and helped close over a half a billion dollars in transactions across the private equity markets um, in MA and across Asia and Southeast Asia. Um, learned a lot. Um, and my inkling was true. The financial services industry was heavily jargonized it was as simple as money go in money go out but it's complicated with all these you know uh, loan agreements security types asset classes etc but all it really is is money go in money go out so i was grateful to have learned that under some of india's leading veterans in this space but it was not an easy journey and once you're there you know it's, it's one of those jobs where you've just got to grind and you've got to hustle. Um, When I was there, I realized how much I hated it and that it wasn't for me, but I would not have been able to come to that realization unless I did it. So when it comes to, you know, finding that job or cracking that job in investment banking, A, it requires a lot of grit. You need to have you know a net build a network be able to communicate with people sell yourself sell your confidence i still remember my interview um i was asked a technical question on the capm model um, which i studied a while back uh, which that's the capital asset pricing model on on the core assumptions um and i got it wrong i completely fucked it up <laughs> um but the the partner the, the, the head of the division at the time interviewed me said look, you got it wrong, but I love your confidence. (laughs) um, The ability to, I'm not encouraging anyone to bullshit here, but if you're confident in what you know and what you believe, and you're able to portray that forward to people, it can work in your favor. But the flip side of that is you never retort to that. I accepted my mistake and I said, look, I'm sorry. I'll learn it. I'll figure it out. And then I'll come back even better. The opposite side of that attitude is, Oh, yeah, but it doesn't even matter. Like, you can't not care, you have to genuinely care about what you're doing, and what you'd like to do. So make sure that, you know, your rapport with people really is to the mark, you believe in what you say, you're able to communicate, and you just have the grip to get there. And once you're there, that's when the hard work starts, Um, prove your worth, put in the hours, put in the time, show up, um, and you'll eventually be able to succeed and, and grow the ladder. And pursue your career that's just not something i wanted to do so i moved on and, and came to use my skills to build something that could help change the planet
1: yeah i i really uh, i think that kind of mindset is really important for any kind of job um if you don't mind me asking i'm really curious as to what the yeah. assumption that you said um it was if you remember
2: Actually, i don't fully remember but i think it was around that um all uh, there's there's an assumption that goes in the CAPM pricing model that markets are irrational, um, and that they don't follow some straight, uh, they don't follow a predicted trajectory. But the actual assumption is that markets are rational. <laughs> I gave I gave the answer to say what it the truth, but the assumption was that they are rational, which is why it works. Because yeah. um, the, cap the capital price, capital asset pricing model is used to determine the valuation of, of listed stocks. Mm. So if we assume they're irrational, no one's ever going to get it right, which is why the assumption was that they are rational um, so that you're able to ad- accurately predict a particular valuation or price of the share to to determine if it's under or overvalued. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, th- that assumption has always been something that... Um... It really stood out when I was learning finance. You know that yeah. everybody's rational thinkers and rational decision makers, which is absolutely not shit. true. Yeah, yeah, you can see <laughs> it in it your is... everyday life that yeah. there are irrational yeah, yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Cool.
1: yeah. So I guess um, I kind of know now, like why you decided to you know, leave all of that behind and pursue your own company. So yes. is there an end goal with Inam?
2: Yes, of course. Um, Well, the end goal is actually our catchphrase, which is reinventing investing to change the world. Um, I know that might sound idealistic, but it's something that we stand by, and something that we really want to do. Um, We strongly believe that the adequate allocation of retail capital into impact companies across the globe is what's going to help save us um, and save the planet. But for us, the buck doesn't stop there. Um, At Inarm, essentially, we curate uh, impact portfolios, custom curated impact portfolios for you as an individual. So we build you a unique investor profile. We use that profile to build you a custom portfolio of listed impact stocks from every single stock market on the planet. So not just Australia or the US. Now, it's great that our customers get to invest in impact, but for us, the buck doesn't stop there. At Inarm, we've invented something called the Inarm Impact Loop which essentially means we reinvest a percentage of our own profits back into the impact ecosystem to support people of color, women of color, young people from disadvantaged backgrounds um, with the education, skill set, empowerment and employment that they need to build a better future, not only for themselves, but also those around them. So this isn't charity or philanthropy. These are reinvestments for commercial gains into these companies. And What that means at at an end goal, at a high level perspective, is that we really want to become the impact engine of the future. So although we're starting off in listed markets and list equities, we're then going to start introducing fixed income securities into our bucket of portfolios. Um, Moving on to impact in the workplace, where we mandate a portion of employee salary into an impact portfolio. Um, Unlike your super fund, you'll be able to access these funds if you ever need them. So it's like a rainy day fund managed for you by your employers in impact stocks. And uh, the last piece of the puzzle, obviously, is building uh, a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization um, on a purposeful blockchain. Uh, we don't want to be another buzzword Web3 crypto <laughs> startup. That's not what we're trying to do. We want to solve a problem using blockchain technology. So we're going to establish this DAO to help retail clients gain access to private market impact opportunities. Um, and really, if there's anything to do with finance and impact, we want Inam to be the first place people come so that we're able to direct capital to the world's most impactful businesses in the public market, in the private market, and at the government level, um, so that we can you know, track and reduce carbon emissions, improve renewable energy gigawatts produced all over the world save as many animals as possible plant as many trees as possible and actually track that impact dollar for dollar so each of our customers are able to see the impact their investment has made in their portfolio dollar for dollar um, and that's really the power of Inam and, and the end goal to, to actually help save the planet um, this is bigger than myself my team um, it, we hope it outlives us that's why we're building it uh, but it really is for the future generations and to help people learn about how to invest we're we're hoping that our customers have a hundred percent investment literacy improvement um, from where they are now because the customers we're building this for don't know how and where to invest their money which is why we built in our um where investment literacy is baked in throughout the process so our goal really is just to reinvent investing um to change the world <laughs> yeah
0: yeah Um, So has social impact always been something that you were interested in or did you only kind of discover that after working in investment banking and consulting?
2: Of course. Um, So I grew up in South Africa, um, in Johannesburg. I was very privileged to have been brought up in an incredibly diverse society and community. Uh, That being said, I was also exposed to the severe disparity between um, a first world functioning city and a third world city on the border of each other. Um, And really throughout my high school education and professional career, a lot of my time outside of that has gone towards giving back to the community. Um, I, I spent a lot of my time, you know, helping young people from underprivileged backgrounds with, education empowerment you know um, clothing drives food drives I used to give motivational speeches to help shift the dialogue away from you don't need a gun to survive you need a book um, with the help of an incredible organization called Africa to Kun so social impact has been at a core of my being since um, from my upbringing because I was brought up I guess it's a factor of having been brought up in such a diverse society Uh, But also um, the disparity just never sat well with me. Uh, I was oblivious to the fact that everyone didn't have a a roof over their head. Uh, Everyone didn't have a car to go to school. I thought everyone did. Um, That was very oblivious and obnoxious of me at the time. I was obviously young. But the minute I figured out that that wasn't the case, it just didn't make sense to me um, as to why some could afford life's most basic necessities and others couldn't simply because of their background or their race. Uh, so that's why impact was very important to me. And I guess um, in my family, my father as well, um, would give a lot back to the community. Uh, there was a time when as a family, unfortunately, we'd lost everything uh, from a financial standpoint. And whenever my father would uh, go out to work and you know come back, even if he hadn't been able to make many sales during the day, um, he'd still give at least. 10 or 20 bottles of milk and a loaf of bread to any homeless person you find on the way back home to make sure they didn't go to sleep hungry. So um, impact I think is something I've I've been very grateful and privileged to have been exposed to from a very young age. And which is why I think it's so important um, to build businesses and enterprises that are focused on social impact because there are a lot of problems in the world um, and we need as many people as possible in the position to solve them, to actually commit and execute to help solving them. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Wow. Your story about how you know Im- important impact is in your life really resonates with um, us and One adc and our values on social impact as well. Um, on the website for Anarm, there's a quote that says an arm was created from the lived experience of not knowing how to invest. Um, could yeah. you elaborate that? Elaborate on that a little bit more. Was that you of personally or somebody you know?
2: Yeah, um, actually, it was it was myself and my co-founder. Um, we realized only recently that we both had very similar experiences and through our customer interviews, we realized we weren't alone. Um, so my father, if this all goes back to my father, um, God bless his soul. So um, he was actually one of South Africa's most uh, successful entrepreneurs in the pharmaceutical industry. And unfortunately, you know, he, he wasn't very good at uh, managing his money. So he didn't know how and where to invest his money, which led to him making a very poorly dispersed investment. Now, as a result of this, this ended up costing him his entire life savings in the millions. Wow. And uh, five years later, his life as well. So not knowing how or where to invest really cost us as a family everything and um, I took it upon myself after having been through this that it would become my life's mission to make sure no family would ever, ever have to go through something like this every day, which is why uh, we started in Arm. Um and my co-founder has, has a very similar story um, in their family as well. So after this got us thinking, surely we're not the only ones, or are we like the Black Swan event? Um, then we went out and spoke to over 300 people and found that actually this has been happening to a lot of people which means it's a very big problem which means someone needs to solve it which means we're going to solve it and that's why you should sign up to an on the website
1: <laughs> guys uh everybody has to sign up to an uh, arm
2: <laughs> yes please please do help us reach our weightless goals so our investors are happy with us and give us all the money we need to bring the product out in the next 16 weeks <laughs>
0: Um, Cool yeah so we might move on to some advice so how can students become involved in social enterprises and how would you guide potential entrepreneurs that are interested in a similar line of work that you work in?
2: Of course I think um, first to answer your first question of how you can get involved um, in social impact I think there is so much around us Um, there are so many opportunities I think in, in Victoria alone ever since I came um, you know, I found organizations like Berry Street, um, Y-Lab, sorry, Y-Lab is more for, for entrepreneurs. Um, there are uh, CM CMY. There are, there are a lot of abbreviations. I will come back to you on what they are. I cannot remember them uh, by heart. Like Fya Foundation for Young Australians, um, and, you know, a lot of diverse young people um, organizations that support you know homeless people young people living in you know residential aged care facilities um, you've got family violence you've got poverty you've got so many organizations working and doing good work um, you've got food bank australia as well to help people that are less privileged than we might be um, and they need help. It might not look like it when we see it on the face, but they're always short staffed. They're always looking for new ideas to help increase their outreach. Um, so when when it comes to getting involved in impact, I think whatever community you might be in, if you're in the city of Port Phillip or if you're in Maribyrnog, um, wherever you might be, every council has some outreach initiative or some group that you know helps you give back to the community. Um, if you're of, of faith, um, there are always religious groups that you know go out and do things um, for their communities on the weekends, et cetera. But if you're looking for more of a career in social impact, I think there are three ways of going about it. The first is deciding what kind of career. So do you want to be a supporter? Uh, in a support role or do you want to actually help make an impact or do you want to help invest in impact? So when you open yourself up to those three options, um, the first would, you know, obviously you want to try invest or become an investment analyst um, at an impact fund such as Giant Leap, which is Australia's biggest impact um, VC. Uh, Or you want to go to a fund manager who has an ESG focus, such as Australian Ethical or a super fund such as Future Super. Um, if you want to be in a support role or a service role, you've got government organisations like the NDIS, which is actually where I work as a strategy officer part time to help people with disability all across Australia. Um, that's more of a service kind of support role. And if you want to build something that makes a difference, that's when you go down the entrepreneurship way, which is which is a nice segue into your kind of second question. And that is, you know, if people want to build something that makes a difference, I think. Having been through going and going through this journey as we're still learning within NAM, um, there is there are a lot of good people in, on this world. There might be few of them willing to do something with all that goodness because I know the social impact space um, in Melbourne itself is a very tight-knit community. Uh, we all know each other. There are you know, companies like Future Minds Network um, and a bunch of others. We all kind of know who everyone is um so it's it's sad to see that it's such a close-knit community when so many more people want to do good and i think i now know why it is such a small tight-knit community um if you're trying to build a business in impact i'm not going to sugarcoat this it's hard um because people don't always see profit when it comes to impact businesses when it comes to building a social enterprise and that's why Anam is pushing as hard as it can to lay the path down for as many more people to follow through on it. We're trying to show the world that it's not hard, it's not crazy, and it's not impossible to build a business that is built purely for good and also makes a profit. I think some other great giants that that, speak to this is who gives a crap, thank you group, with thank you water, et cetera. Um, These companies prove that doing good can actually yield a profit. So my first, but they did not have an easy pathway to getting there. I think if anyone wants to get into social impact, read the book chapter one by Daniel Flynn, probably the best book you will ever read or need to read if you want to build a social impact on um, enterprise or business, but be prepared. It's hard. It requires grit. It requires you to convince people that there is benefit. For them, not only financially, but also sustainably for the long term in building this company. And most importantly, when you're trying to build a social enterprise, don't just label yourself a tokenistic impact business. Actually try to solve a problem. Speak to the people you feel are most impacted by the problem you're trying to solve. Go out, have focus interviews, go out randomly on Collins Street or Burke Street and speak to people. COVID's over, interact, we are human beings. By nature, we like talking. Go find out what the problem is, how are people struggling, what are their pain points. And once you've done that, then you can go say, hey, people are having X problem, but why are they having X problem? How can I solve it? What is the solution I can build? And then when you start you know, going through this entrepreneurial journey, you know, understanding the problem, building a value proposition, speaking to your customers, et cetera, then you get to the solution. Just because you have a great idea doesn't mean it's going to be a success. You have to go through the process. You have to love the process. You need to fall in love with the process. You will fail. But every time you fail and fall, you have to get back up. That's just the story of life. Um, And this will occur in all three instances, whether you're trying to do a financial services job and impact service job and impact or build an impact business, you will fail. You need to be okay with that and get yourself back up, dust yourself back up off and make sure that you're building the company for the right reasons um, and with the right will at heart. And then it'll all work out eventually.
1: Wow. That was really really insightful and i got like some chills running through my body hearing you speak just then but um sadly too we, thank you. yeah sadly um we we've that's kind of all the time we have for today i i really wish we could continue talking but thank you so much arjun for like taking the time of you know, out of your busy schedule you know you know, um being the ceo this the founder of a startup you know an entrepreneur running your own podcast you must be the busiest man in the world right now but no, <laughs> oh, no Julie, that's, thank you so I think much. there's
2: lots of us thank you so much I'm glad to be here I will say one last thing I know we're out of, out of time but there's one quote I live my life by which my co-founder will kill me if I don't mention other's podcast and it's by none other than The Rock um, Dwayne Johnson he, he, he said to a bunch of NBA players in a room he said when life has you up against a wall the only way out is forward um and that stuck with me for a very long time and still sticks with me today so um it's, it's hard but just keep going you know you can only go forward so yeah thank you for having me it's been a privilege and i hope this was helpful and is valuable to the people that I'm
1: No, for sure thank you,
0: thank you so much
1: okay thank you